decades ago in the 1960s and 1970s, Varosha was the French Riviera of Cyprus. It was an elite vacation destination that stars like Elizabeth Taylor and Brigitte Bardot vacationed at. Its high-rise hotels and pristine beaches were known all over the world. All it takes is one photograph of the crystal blue waters and lush scenery to see why. This place is idyllic. But in 1974, all that changed. Tens of thousands of people fled, tourists stopped flocking to Varosha, and that place is now all but forgotten. Hotels and resorts once fit for celebrities are only fit for rats and tumbleweeds, basically. Now, I know that gorgeous places might lose their sheen and appeal over time, and that's no surprise. Huge malls, towns, and cities have been left abandoned for a whole host of reasons. Maybe these are company towns that have failed or mining villages that are no longer in operation. That would make some sense. But in the case of Varosha, the whole place went from thriving to frozen in time overnight. Why? What happened in Varosha? And will it ever become the beautiful destination it once was? Let's find out on today's episode of Dark Dives. I'm not about to summarize the entire history of Cyprus because it would take a very long time. But allow me to explain some of the important bits for just a couple minutes to provide some context for today's episode. The Ottomans captured Cyprus in 1570. There was a lot of bloodshed involved in that too. A branch of the Greek Orthodox Church known as the Church of Cyprus became the leader of Greek Christians on the island. Both Greek Cypriots and Turkish Cypriots lived in Cyprus, but fast forward to the 1800s and the British took over as, you know, the British do. The Greek Cypriots started pushing for a union with Greece, but the Turkish Cypriots were, quote, afraid they would be forced into a unification with Greece against their will. These two communities had gotten along for centuries, but it was the British drawing lines and making distinctions between the Cypriots that deepened their divisions. Midnight in Nicosia, and Sir Hugh Foote entering Parliament is followed Then, by in 1960, after drafting an agreement with the British, Cyprus became independent. However, as you can imagine, based on the history we know thus far, it wasn't a peaceful and easy transition and tensions soon boiled over. Turkey threatened to invade the island in 1964, only to be warned against doing so by Lyndon B. Johnson. There was a lot of fighting between the Greeks and the Turks, with one Turkish shepherd in 1964 telling the New York Times that he had been driven from his house with guns. The Greeks burned down homes in his village, and sometime later, the man's wife and child were found in a mass grave. I will always hate them now, he said, and I think that's pretty understandable. On the other side, in the Greek shops, they said they carried arms because they were afraid of Turks that demanded the partition of the island. But in 1974, after the president of Cyprus was ousted by the Greek military, they saw their opportunity. For the Turkish Cypriots, the Turks were there to save them, to free them from the brutality. Those from the invasion took territory on the northern island, the Greek Cypriots fled, and the Turkish army fenced off and evacuated Varosha. Many Turkish Cypriots felt safe after their presence in Cyprus had been threatened, while Greek Cypriots were in more danger than ever.
News of the Turkish seaborne invasion was broadcast over Turkish radio at 5 a.m. The announcer warned the Turkish community in Cyprus to evacuate their homes. Many Western documentaries do tell the Greek Cypriot side of things as it's easy to sympathize with. But the suffering on both sides, before and after the invasion, has been immense. It's created a cold war of sorts in Cyprus, one that's lasted for about half a century now and shows no sign of ending anytime soon. When you look at more current footage of Verosha, it's quite strange too, as you can see half-poured drinks and still-dressed mannequins in store windows, positioned and posed as if their owners and shopkeeps are coming right back. It's no wonder people are attracted to this place. You can't help but wonder what might've been or what the residents thought as they were shuffled out the door. Those that were evacuated have frankly every right to be resentful. Some of them live on the same island, south of what they once had, but unable to reach it on the other side because of the barbed wire fences. And could you imagine that? Invaders take your home, fence it off, push you a few dozen miles to the south, and you're left to live there, knowing your livelihood is close by, but deteriorating. People that do see their former homes have been disturbed and traumatized by the site, and they say it's like reopening old war wounds. Quote, I lost everything after the Turks invaded, my home, my factory, my orange groves, said Harris, 71, a Greek Cypriot whose family fled their handsome villa and left behind an ice cream business in Verosha. I try not to dwell on the past or my misery. I have given up. He has since rebuilt his life in a suburb near Nicosia, the Cypriot capital. The Northern area is now being called the Turkish Republic of Northern Cyprus or the TRNC, but no one in Turkey recognizes the TRNC as a country hence why it's been called the country that doesn't exist. This has also led to a lot of tension and uncertainty between the Turkish Cypriots and the Turkish people that have been encouraged to move there by their government. Many Cypriots feel that their way of life, their creativity, and their culture are vanishing as they're effectively homogenized with Turkey. And that's the very bare bones TLDR history lesson. This is how Varosha became abandoned. It's why to this day, Verosha is stuck in time and such a controversial place. It didn't slowly fall apart. Its citizens were simply made to pack up and get out with little to no warning. These days, the typical tourist isn't a celebrity hoping to find a gorgeous dress in one of the many abandoned boutiques or suntan on the sandy beaches, but a dark tourist who wants to see the derelict buildings. The whole future of Verosha, the division of Cyprus, and this country that doesn't exist is so incredibly uncertain and controversial. It doesn't seem close to ending anytime soon either, as Cyprus is such a desired territory. I can't understate how important this land is to many countries, even though few people seem to know much about it. Yes, Cyprus is absolutely gorgeous and fantastic for tourism, but more importantly, it's the link between Europe and the Middle East. It's perfectly situated to be a gateway for these two territories, and according to ASCAME.org, it's both a European hub for investment firms and an international shipping center. A small country, but very mighty. You could basically see Verosha as one of the crown jewels of this precious place. Abandoned, but not forgotten. So what happens next for this jewel? Where do we go from here? According to the International Crisis Group, there are other worrying trends aside from Turkey basically demanding that the TRNC be recognized. This would split this small country in two, and even the terminology around this can be seriously damaging. Quote, Committee projects can be delayed for months, if not years, by fights over terminology to which either the Greek or Turkish Cypriots object. 
Greek Cypriot leadership has proposed confidence-building measures, but Turkish Cypriots have rejected this and have said that they don't intend to return to Varosha just yet. And this leaves Varosha in a state of limbo, as a stubborn relic of conflict, as the New York Times puts it. A UN plan in 2004 proposed returning Varosha to Greek Cypriot control within a loose confederation that the Turkish Cypriots accepted, but the Greek Cypriots rejected. Many of them would be back in their homes if this had been accepted, but Friends of Europe says that it was an uneven and unbalanced plan. Quote, it is also unfortunate that the weaker side, the Greek Cypriots and the Republic of Cyprus were repeatedly pressured by external mediators to accommodate the Turkish requests. What becomes of Varosha then? Greek Cypriots didn't agree with the 2004 plan and Turkey sure doesn't wanna just hand it over. So will Varosha truly be all that valuable if it just falls apart? As Reuters pointed out in 2009, even restoring this place to its former glory would be a mammoth task. Not only have the buildings and roads endured over three decades of neglect, but the places are riddled with bullet holes and signs of war. Yet Alexis Gilanos, Varosha's municipal mayor in exile, says that Varosha's returns can far outweigh any cost. Quote, we want to take back our sleeping princess and turn her into a queen again. This princess may need a lot of work done, but Greek Cypriot planners have already been preparing for Varosha's return for years, at least on paper anyway. By their estimates, it would take six or seven years for the city to return to a somewhat normal state or whatever a new normal will be, but we can't even be sure how accurate that truly is. You know how those home renovation shows always have some kind of issue? Maybe there are like cracks in the foundation or maybe you go crazy over budget. Now imagine how this would go for an entire city that's effectively been untouched since the mid 1970s. Still, it's understandable that former citizens would want to try and not simply give up on Verosha the way that they were made to so many years ago. But the passion and determination to rebuild is strong. Former residents who have been turned away from their family homes and have been told to leave or be shot don't seem discouraged by these events. They seem all the more determined. However, the Turks that now live in the area don't intend on leaving either. One Turkish nurse that has lived there for over 30 years in the former home of a Greek Cypriot told the New York Times, quote, Greek Cypriots won't come back as long as Turks rule here. And if they come back, we will lose everything. As for the younger generation that was raised here, some of these Turks have a different view. Saren Bogak, 34, grew up in a house overlooking Verosha. Her grandparents had been given the Greek Cypriot home in exchange for a property they were forced to abandon as refugees in Larnaca. When Seren was about five or six, she started to realize the significance of living here. Quote, one day I found in a box, the personal belongings of other people, like photo albums and journals. I asked my grandmother, who does this belong to? She said, it belongs to the real owners of this house. And that was the first time I realized that we don't own the house we are living in. I was shocked. I was thinking about how this happened, why these people had to leave their place and what their psychology was when they were running to get out. What kind of situation had they been faced with in order to leave everything behind? The children's toys, the photo albums, everything. This greatly shaped her life, her career as a psychologist and architect, and her interest in the way both sides view this conflict. Many see the way nature has reclaimed Verosha and want to create an eco-city. Others are concerned that Greek Cypriots will, quote, pocket the area and give nothing back. Back in 2005, Turkey did pay hundreds of millions of pounds to those that lost their homes over 30 years before. And while I'm sure many see this as too little too late, politically speaking, 
Turkey doesn't want that to have been for nothing either. Nonetheless, no matter what the Turkish or Greek Cypriots believe about restoring this place, it is happening bit by bit. Moving into a country that doesn't exist right now, right next to a piece of land that belongs to no one, right next to then closed off, and it remained closed, unfortunately, for almost 50 years until it was recently reopened. But as you can see, um, it's this During the past three years especially, we've seen Turkey and Turkish Cypriots start to reopen these abandoned areas. In October 2020, a beach resort, part of Varosha, was made accessible by members of the public for the first time since it was abandoned. It's still a designated military zone though, and many on Cyprus were not exactly celebrating when they heard the news. Cyprus president Nikos Anastosiadis stated, quote, The decision by Turkey and the occupation regime to extend part of the fenced-in city for use is an illegal and clear violation of international law and UN Security Council resolutions. But this hasn't stopped those in Northern Cyprus from trying to rebuild. Instead, workers have begun the arduous task of laying cement, removing debris, and tidying up. No, it's not as if Varosha is completely reopened, but the abandoned beachfront is kind of popular once again. Dark tourists are flocking to this place, or at least as much as they can. Photos and videos are forbidden. Even a selfie with the place can land you in a heated altercation with a soldier. But it's this curiosity about abandoned buildings that have led to the TRNC opening Varosha's gates. To clarify, I have spoken about dark tourism before, and that's an entirely separate episode. Sometimes you might just consider it morbid curiosity and nothing more while in other cases, it can become more like poverty tourism or extremely disrespectful when people's legacies and cultures are exploited for profit. In this case, I feel that this could be devastating for those that used to call this place home. And again, imagine that you're a Greek Cypriot living in South Cyprus after being forced to evacuate. How would it feel knowing your family home, one that you haven't been allowed inside since 1974, is now a prop for photos because it has a spooky abandoned vibe? While I do think many dark tourists are generally respectful of the places they visit, we've established that many are not. It's no wonder then that the tension around Varosha continues to rise as the place is slowly reopened bit by bit. A professor of history and politics, Hubert Faustman at the University of Nicosia explained that this move is all part of a wider Turkish strategy that will improve their bargaining position. This will appease nationalists in Turkey while completely disregarding how Cyprus may feel. No, the TRNC isn't formally recognized as a country, but they are trying to act like one. And while I truly cannot understand all the inner workings of this very intricate situation, I don't know that anyone could understand without living through it and feeling the tension themselves. The articles about this tourism and tension remind me so much of the articles from 1964 that said nearly the exact same thing. And no, there are admittedly no shepherds talking to the New York Times about their homes being burned, but the headline of an island of hate and fear isn't exactly untrue to what we see today. Right now, The Guardian says there's unease in the air. It's not as if reopenings are leading to happiness and gratefulness from the Greek Cypriots either. Instead, former residents are forced to see more of their empty homes, schools, and stores from behind a rope, prevented from stepping inside by Turkish troops. And that has to be frustrating, infuriating, and like ripping off an old scab. One former resident told The Independent, quote, it's as if they're performing an autopsy and tourists are coming to witness it. It's a shame, a shame for humanity. 
Then in July, 2021, Turkey and Turkish Cypriot leader Ersin Tatar pushed the boundary even further, not simply by moving fences. Instead, they told Greek Cypriots that they could basically come back and reclaim their homes and properties if they went to the Immovable Property Commission. The catch? You have to live under Turkish Cypriot administration. So yes, you could come back, but this will effectively make Turkish control all the more permanent and legitimize the TRNC. The Greek Cypriot mayor in exile had this to say, quote, I believe it was done to plant a tombstone on the Cyprus issue, to compel us to live under Turkish Cypriot administration and to ferment division among the Greek Cypriot residents of Verosha. To say that the situation is messy would be a gross understatement. And while I'm sure that many visitors are aware of this ongoing conflict, I'm sure there are other tourists who don't. These days, as tourists are permitted back inside, it's no wonder this has caused so much anger. Decades-long Cyprus problem is still awaiting a solution, but now there is a new suggestion on the table from Turkey's side. For formal negotiations to start. In Geneva, uh, I put my new vision on the table. My new vision being we will not be able to discuss anymore. Now, keeping all of this in mind, the head of the Turkish-occupied North, Ersin Tatar, has called for a two-state solution. He told The Guardian that there are two people and two lands living on one island, and that the Turkish Cypriots living there feel a part of the motherland. Again, while I'm no expert on the politics in this area, I do feel that it's a damn shame the people there have become so alienated from one another. Before the British came in and kind of divided everybody up and raised all these tensions, there were just Cypriots. This deep-rooted, resentful separation is really sad to see, and it's caused so much pain and anguish for those living with it. And it is a damn shame, when Cyprus was seen as a paradise not so long ago. However, while some might say that a two-state solution is viable, Foreign Minister Tassin of the TRNC has said that no agreement can possibly be reached until the international community changes its stance. He stated, quote, Whether the Greek Cypriot side accepts it or not, there is no turning back from this new path we have taken. Greek Cypriots and the international community have to accept the undeniable truth of Cyprus, which is that there are two separate sovereign states, two separate democracies, two separate people. I understand that the Turks and the Turkish Cypriots may feel that after living there for about 50 years and that this is their home now. Removing all the Turkish people living there, especially after the way they were persecuted before the Turks invaded, would be exceedingly difficult. But at the same time, just saying this is the way it is, the TRNC exists whether you like it or not, is not a solution either. There are people in Southern Cyprus that lived through this invasion. This isn't some 200-year-old conflict that people just need to let go of and move on. It hasn't even fully passed down a generation yet. Other foreign leaders, such as German Foreign Minister Annalena Baerbock, have weighed in as well and denounced the two-state solution, insisting that it's simply not an option and Germany will continue to push for de-escalation. She told her Cypriot counterpart that Germany was on his side, agreeing that partition cannot be a solution. Again, it is important to remember here why so many European powers are invested in this country. Cyprus may be small, but it's mighty. It's right by a trade route that connects the European nations to the Middle East, and Varosha and other tourist sectors have proven themselves to be incredibly valuable. Other nations have tried to resolve this too, whether it's the United Nations or the world community. Unfortunately, any attempts at peace have ultimately failed. A 2017 initiative in Switzerland did not work. 
and this has been viewed as the last chance for peace at the time. Though the UN mediator said that peace wasn't beyond reach and it could happen, it seems like no real agreement could be met. Greek Cypriots demanded that all of the 30,000 troops be removed and they renounced their intervention rights, while Turkish Cypriots demanded a rotating presidency. But with so many complicated factors at play, this just doesn't seem possible after all. According to a 2023 article from A Plus for Peace, Switzerland as a mediator has continued to host these peace talks, but perhaps they're more optimistic than many outsiders looking in. After 50 years, things have only grown more complex and bitter and more difficult to untangle. The entire matter of Cyprus has become one of the longest outstanding and unresolved problems in the modern world. Dr. George Vasilio wrote for the Interaction Council, quote, Germany has been reunited. The problem of North Ireland has been nearly solved. We have just received the good news from Indian and Pakistan concerning Kashmir, but the Cyprus problem is still there. And truthfully, I don't know what should be done. Of course, I'm not an expert on this topic and I haven't lived through this invasion and I can't imagine how either side must feel about the tension in their home. But what I do know is that this beautiful island and these incredible locations are bit by bit being lost to time. There's something lovely yet a little bit morbid too about seeing all of the plants and nature itself take over Verosha once again. There's a part of me that does wanna visit out of curiosity like the dark tourists have done, but the reality of learning about all the interpolitical conflict is obviously going to keep me from doing so. You can see cars from that era parked in the street, rusting over, making the place look like some sort of post-apocalyptic movie set. But then at the same time, there's something so strange knowing that this supposed ghost town has residents that are very much alive. That building with the shrubs bursting out of it, its owner may be living an hour or two south, wishing that they could re-enter their home, wondering if any part of it is even salvageable anymore. Or maybe the son and daughter that was supposed to inherit that home is mourning, moving on with their life, knowing that it may never be theirs in the end. I'm curious for your opinions. How do you feel about the complex situation of Verosha? Do you think it will ever be restored to its former glory? Feel free to let me know. But with all of that being said, that is where we're ending today's episode of Dark Dives. And I know this one was a little more serious, a little bit more about political conflict, but I think the story of Verosha and the history of essentially a very torn island is interesting and needs more attention drawn to it. So. With all of that being said, I do hope you learned something new here today. I appreciate you spending some of your time here with me and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.